In this edition of AML Conversations, AML RightSource Vice Chairman John Byrne sat down with legendary compliance expert Chuck Lewis. Chuck is retiring after 42 years of work in the banking industry, 40 of those years specifically in compliance. He is leaving the field from his current role as Vice President Compliance Services of the Missouri Bankers Association. Throughout his career, he has worked directly for financial institutions, advisory firms, and finally for the Missouri Bankers Association advising and working with banks on various compliance matters including Bank Secrecy Act issues. Most recently, trying to help the financial sector navigate the customer due diligence rule that went into effect last May. You'll find the interview both educational and particularly entertaining, as Chuck Lewis is well-known in the compliance field for his ability to use humor to explain complicated compliance issues. Chuck, i got to say, um, when I started doing podcasts, and I've done a bunch of them uh, for the past couple of years, I said, I need to be able to, if I can sit down with Chuck Lewis and talk to him about his, his career and... Uh, not just the importance of compliance, but his sense of how we've moved over. I said, this has got to happen. So this is long and coming for me, so this is not on you. It's to have this uh, have this opportunity. And so let me just start with this. How many years? How 42. Many, 42. 40 of them in compliance. 42 years in bank. There was compliance 40 years ago? 40 years ago. <laughs> 40, yeah. yeah. I misunderstood the question. No, you didn't. <laughs> so at the beginning of your career, and you've been in a bank, you've been in advisory practice, and you do that now uh, uh, as you're going to retire with the Missouri bankers, um, what was compliance like in the early days? What I remember just as an association person yeah, they, I think the conferences didn't start till probably the mid '80s, so I don't think it was a thing before that. But what was it like early on? Or I guess you tell me, how many different roles did you have? That well, we didn't really know, John, what it was. I mean, we just had this. Here came these rules. I remember the two rules. My boss behind his back had the old pamphlets that the Fed came out with, the old pamphlets, and he had Reg Z and Reg B, and he said, pick left hand or right hand. <laughs> and I picked the left, I had Reg B, I read it, and then he took Reg Z, and that's really all we had. And it was trying to figure out, to take the intent, I understood, but how was this going to impact community banks? How was this going to impact any bank? And it was awesome, it was a challenge, it was great. So we went out and we started meeting. I went, for example, with senior loan officers. Okay, where do you see discrimination? Well, I don't see it anywhere. But then when we started talking, oh, well, I guess this and this. And, and I actually heard a senior loan officer at a bank, not one of our banks, tell a husband and wife, Mama, why don't you go sit in the waiting room and wait while your daddy and I get this thing done? Wow. And I remember thinking, wow, maybe we do have something going on. So it was, and then as it kept going, then other regs would come out, sure. and we had CRA and things, and it just became more of a, it was a big picture to start with, and then it became kind of a, holy crud. And the, the part, John, and I say this to everybody, that, that I go back to man, UMB's management when they hired me, the management program, training program, you went to all different departments. I ran a proof machine. <laughs> um, I filed checks. I, I was a teller, and it became a huge advantage that I'm in there trying to talk to people about a regulation, but I knew a little tiny bit about what they were doing. And that's that's where it just became. I just I never stopped learning. I never stopped learning. You, you know, that's, it's interesting you say that because I can recall asking uh, some AML officers a few years ago at a conference, what do you look for in staff in terms of skill set? And sort of similar to what you just said, 
we know that historically compliance officers have legal backgrounds, maybe accounting backgrounds, but they're not bankers. They're, no. they're, they're, they're not. No. And I remember this one AML officer said, well, I still need people to understand the laws and regs, but I want some people to have a business sense that actually know how the place works. Well, and, and I think our session today on the risk, I think the overall risk, that's something that bankers on the compliance side just don't flat understand. And I think, I think as we go from where I started, now it seems like we're having to drill down on certain things. Um, and, and sometimes management just doesn't quite, I, I'll stop for a minute and tell you a story real quick. I ask people when I do management conferences, how many times you go buy a car because you like the way the seat belt felt? <laughs> and they'll just all look at me and go, who cares? I said, but drive 50 miles an hour, 60, and hit a wall and don't have your seatbelt on. The damage you'll do, including yourself, is unbelievable. But if you look at compliance like the seatbelt and put that on and hit a wall, there's a chance you're going to survive. You're still going to have damage, but you'll survive. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to get them to understand. If we could just address this risk, just like you address credit risk, like you address operational risk, IT risk, everything else, and put a little resource in it. And I think we're getting there. Slowly, we're getting there. But the emphasis changes. And that's that's the part that I probably get. If there was a frustration at what I do, it, it seems like whether it's Humda, the emphasis, and then all of a sudden we'll shift, and then maybe something has happened at, at BSA, and we'll shift right. over here, and then we'll... And it's just, it's that type of thing. Technology, my Lord, what it's done. Uh, oh, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I, you know, somebody said at the last uh, session that... When the early days of reporting suspicious activity was on something we both know, a criminal referral form. Sure. And you literally had to mail seven copies. Sure. And so I sure. remember being at ABA when the SARS were created, and one of the things in the press release from the Bankers Association lauding this new regulation was the fact that you send it to one place. I was just going to say, I was going to hold up one finger. And, yeah. and save the postage yeah. cost. Yeah. So you're right. Technology, just the past 10 years, has been insane. I, I will tell you something. You didn't ask this, but I'll tell you if there's been any any frustration with me, I just talked about that. But another thing is we, we've got a whole new generation that is that has come in in the middle of certain things. Um, I, I, I was telling you I had a woman who was talking about a, a banker at a conference that she said her third grade teacher let her go home early at 9-11. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. I, so what was banking like prior to that? What was it like over here? And, and that's something that, you know, the old argument, what good is history, but it repeats itself. And I think that's something that, that I try and instill in these people. Look, you you may be focused on this thing, but you need to understand how this part of the bank works. Uh, just listen to them talk on the, on the SARS right now. If I'm a BSA officer and I've come from the operational side of the bank, there's a chance that I've never really sat down and, and worked in the credit side of it. Maybe I don't understand the loan side of it. Right. But all of a sudden, I've got a commercial loan fraud. Well, how in, how in the world am I going to write a narrative on something that I don't really understand? Sure. And uh, that's that's something that I, I wish I could get bankers to really focus on. Go over there and find out what happens. Just go to the other, the other department and see what's going on. You know, it's hard in 2018 um, to... To remember sort of the environment, but to your point about sort of ebbs and flows, uh, you know, I can recall vividly in the 90s there was a reduction in focus on AML. In fact, we know about the whole know your customer uh, debacle, only a debacle because of the outrage that was sort of misplaced in my view. But then 9 11 happened and sort of things changed. But we're starting to hear again 
Because you have every time you have a new administration, regardless of your politics, there's going to be a, a, a thematic change. And you're starting to hear, well, maybe there'll be a reduction in some of what we're doing. So give me a sense of that over time in the BSA, oh, sh- in oh, the, sure. in the BSA space. Very easy. Um, just like you said, after 9-11, it was the focus of everything. Um, we went out and we, we just looked at it. terrorism, suddenly became a, a, a component of the program. Then... I don't know whether the world survived, we survived, our focus, we had to, the, 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 whether it was a depression or recession, whatever it was. And if you will look at the what happened after 2008, 7 and 8, the focus wasn't on BSA. No, that's right. It was on safety and soundness. It was on, you know, we can't let banks fail, we're going to keep them live, but we're also going to penalize them for doing this and this. And FinCEN, which I have to applaud for a little bit, decided... These people are kind of focused. And it wasn't that we didn't have any BSA email things, but we were really, we had uh, uh, Dodd-Frank. We had all these other issues that were tying us up. Mm-hmm. And BSA took kind of a little bit of a back chair in, in maybe the mid-2000s yep. or whatever we call that era. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, again, the administration changed. The focus came back. We started having the human trafficking. We started having this opiate. We started having just different... And then I think, and this is going to sound terribly whatever, I think the bad guys started realizing, wait a minute, maybe I can use community banks to launder some of this. Maybe I can go over here, uh, the online uh, lenders. I mean, all these different things. You talked about antiquities. All these things that came into play that we had been so focused on Dodd-Frank, and all of a sudden we turned around and Vincent said, uh, I need your attention again. We're going to be putting the CDD beneficial ownership out here. And everybody went, oh, my God, BSA, I've got to do something about that. Right. And so I think it's coming back into the fold, but it's going to it's going to key off the word you said, risk. And that's what these, these community banks that I deal with have got to understand. Well, Chuck, I'm a $90 million bank down the Ozarks. I don't understand why everybody's all upset about it. Well, you, it may be a different focus risk, but you've still got it. So it's it's coming back. It, it dipped down. On, it was high after 2001. Then I think it went four or five, six years. Then 2008, and our focus was on some. Now it's back. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because the um, OCC rep this morning on the yeah. reg panel, she said one of her concerns is de-risking. Oh, in, in the standpoint I wrote it down. Of, what I wrote you, it down. of what you just said, and that is, Big bank says no to X company. X company goes to bank, not bank oh, of the, a bank well, in the Ozark, sure, sure. not calling out a particular oh, bank, yeah. and they they don't have the ability to manage that risk. Oh no! But they want to take it because it looks uh, wow. Well, we stole we stole another customer from the mega bank. Yeah, exactly. And and that doesn't mean knocking the credit or the you know saying a bunch of hicks. I'm not saying that at all. No, no. I'm saying. Where the bigger banks, maybe their focus has been on risk as a as a part of every component. Mm-hmm. The smaller banks are saying, "Well, did they look like they were an illegal alien? Did they look like they had money laundered? Well, let's okay, let's take a chance on this." And right. that's that's the part that bothers me. Let's go back. Um, so, how long were you at UMB? Thirty years. Thirty years. Thirty okay. years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And through that time, that was considered a major regional bank, right? Is it, yeah, size-wise. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, it started off primarily Missouri Bank, right. and then we expanded into Kansas, and then next it was Colorado, and we just kept going. And it mm-hmm. was, I don't, I think it's thirteen, fourteen billion mm-hmm. now. And and the, and I got to say this real quick. The the great thing about UMB was their management realized in nineteen seventy nine. Wait a minute, we're growing, we're aggressive, we're going to acquire, we're going to purchase. 
we can't let compliance be this thing that stops us from our dreams. Mm. So they had a gentleman who was, to this day, excluding my dad, one of the greatest men I ever met. He was my mentor. Uh, he was 61. Nobody knew anything about it. They put him in charge. They brought me underneath him. Mm-hmm. And for four years, we went out and kind of carved this niche. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was he and I. And uh, then he retired, and I brought in some great people, uh, Chris Bellman, to name one, some others mm-hmm. that worked with me. And uh, at the time, I can I can say very proudly, while we had a CRA protest one time, it wasn't about CRA, right. but we never had a monetary penalty in, in my career with them. Uh, we had a, we never had an MRA. We had a couple little things that, you know, slap hand. But it was management's focus, and they said, what do you want to do? We don't want compliance. I can remember Mr. Kemper. I do not want compliance to be the thing that stops us from growing. That's interesting because you, you hear so many stories about uh, compliance being negatively cast oh. as the cost center, uh, you know, uh, the, not having the business side talk to compl- all the sort of typical stuff, and, and it's interesting that your bank. Now, what I do vaguely remember about your bank, it wasn't you were, but it wasn't extremely active in association. Oh no, advocacy, no. right? No, it yeah. wasn't, and th- that was intentional or not? I mean, I, you, I, it's I, a long time ago. No, I no, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. part of what it was. Um, I think there was a feeling by a man, Mr. Kemper, at that time that maybe the American Bankers and the Association were dictated by the large holding company banks, and we weren't. We didn't view ourselves. We still viewed ourselves right. as a small Midwestern company, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was like the interstate bank and everything was being shoved down the throat. Mr. Kemper said, "You know, I'm, we're pretty successful. I don't need you all." Right. Well, his son became president. He realized that was not the attitude. We needed the lobbyists. We needed the ABA. We needed all this, and we got back involved. But it was a. Uh, uh, in fact, I was on the ABA executive council right. compliance group when we we dropped out, and suddenly I had to walk off. Right. right. Uh, but it was more of a don't. Don't tell me what to do from New York type of thing. Sure, sure. Uh, you know this is what works for that bank. It ain't going to work in the Midwest. Yeah. And after that, we became big proponents, and we always were some of us. But it was just kind of a misunderstanding. I, I always found it funny in my years at the ABA. There'd be some bankers that said, "All you care about is the big banks," and, and big banks saying, "Why are you doing these things with the small banks?" Well, so, yeah. so you're ticking them all off. So it well, was, but yeah. here we were. I think we were about eight or nine billion there, and we considered ourselves a small bank. Right. And and we weren't. But it was just, I think, more of a East Coast, West Coast, Midwest type thing. So let's talk about uh, compliance uh, interaction, if you will. So the ABA and others did the same thing. Some of the state banking associates, they're all doing it now. But the the notion of getting bankers together for conferences just on compliance, that was pretty... um, I don't want to say earth shattering, but I do remember like the very first one was probably in eighty five, eighty six. We did it. The ABA was Crystal City. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there you yeah. go. And so, what the first time you were interacting with other compliance officers from around the country? Yeah. What was sort of your goal at that time? When I the the first thing was to try to find people of asset size, my my mm-hmm. side. Um, and it was it was fat. I, when I said Crystal, I can still remember. I don't remember one session. Now, that's terrible to say. But I remember all the breaks. Sure. I remember going and sitting outside, talking to six or seven bankers, and we'd have a breakfast meeting or lunch, and there would be six or seven people, all of us about the same size. Well, what are you doing? Oh, we're finding this. And you didn't talk technology then because it really wasn't out there yet. Right, right. But we talked about what are you seeing? What are your examiners looking at? What are you, How are you getting this? What are you doing for training? And uh, I would say the first two or three, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And 
there were people in the industry that that started coming out that kind of were being successful with that. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say anything over there, but some wonderful people that I became associated with that were awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, your uh, Lucy Griffin, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, those type that suddenly caught on to this. And then the ABA quickly realized, ooh, this is something we need to help banks with. So, oh, no, the first two or three, and you'd have management go, you're going to a conference with compliance people? Oh, my exactly. God. Yeah. Well, how long will the paint dry contest go? <laughs> yeah. And uh, then it, it, it kind of morphed into more of a, well, let's get the speakers out of it. And by that time, we started having people four and five years in the industry I don't want to use the word expert, that's the thrown right. around, but right. that had enough experience mm-hmm. to say, well, let me tell you what I'm finding. Mm-hmm. And then we picked up new ones. And that right there has been my exciting thing the last couple of years uh, as I've gone around and done seminars. Um, oh, my God, they're young. In right. fact, I, I gave a seminar the other day. We had about 200 bankers out there, and I told them we'd be done by 6 so they could be home by curfew. But <laughs> I think you're starting to see people look at this compliance field, BSA, others, as maybe, that's not interesting. Uh, what Could be a doing? career field. Yeah, yeah. Could, and could uh, right. I think the CRCM program, and I think uh, mm-hmm. your the, your program and stuff on the... On the Certifications. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, now that that shows the professionalism of a space that in the past was, hey, can you handle this reg for me? Yeah, here, it's, you it's know, or, or the or the time I remember, uh, we had a BSA officer of the bank was very ill and had to take a leave of absence, and they went to the head teller and said, "You fill out CTRs, haven't you?" She said, "Yeah, well, you're the new BSA officer." Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. But no, now it's uh, now there's a there's a group, and I think. Um, whether it's state association, and, and we even have here in Missouri a peer group. Mm-hmm. There's like four or five peer groups that these are banks that have no real moderator. One bank may host it, and it's 10 to 30 people that get together, and they have their own meeting, and they talk about things, and they invite speakers in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's great. That was something that uh, I went across the street to Commerce Bank, and then they'd come over to us, and uh, we would sit there. We didn't want to share secrets, but the same token, sure, like, sure. come on. Sure. So, no, that's, that's really been a great thing. So before I move on to your career in advisory practice, uh, anything else about your banking time that you, you, that you sort of remember fondly? You talked about you had a mentor, obviously commitment. You had the corporate co- uh, the compliance sure, culture. Sure. was excellent. And, and that doesn't mean that my first name wasn't, oh, God, as soon as I sure. walked in. Yeah. But with Mr. Kemper saying, you know, we're not going to get to stop it, it, and it, and it wasn't always you know, cream cookies. I mean, there were times that now, Lois, go away type thing. And I, I'm going to bring it up tomorrow Friday in my last presentation. Make sure, compliance, that you're at the table. Don't sit at the front. Don't sit up there. But at least let them know you're there at the table and be looked at. I Everybody laughed when they worked for me because I had a sign on my door that said, be a thesaurus. Have a solution. No wasn't a solution. No comma, but you could. And that's something that, that I've strove very hard to because, as I'm going to bring up uh, Friday, you can ask a question. A loan officer can call and ask about a reg or tell or ask about whatever. Why did they ask? Was it because they didn't know where to go for the answer? Were they confused on something? Was the training an issue? Was there no procedure? Was there no... So it doesn't like I analyzed everything, but don't just say no and hang up the phone. No because, but here's something you could do. And I think, I, I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, I'll throw my shoulder out of joint, but it was something that we worked very hard on to be looked at as an asset, as a resource. And that's something that I strive very hard when I do training to talk to banks and say, look, yes, the answer may be no, 
like you can tell them we can't do that. But what what could they do? Right. Right. And sometimes there may not be anything. Mm -hmm. But I remember one time a guy called me. He said, "Lewis, I want to make this loan, but it's in a flood zone. What do I do?" I said, "What's your collateral?" He said, "Well, a house." I said, "Take growing crops. Take cattle. Take CD." Uh, do you have a piece of property that's not in a flood zone? No, 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 no. I want to take this house. We're going to have to get flood zone. He said, well, you're not helping. I said, I gave you four solutions. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes sure. it's just to be able to come back and say, uh, and I, I truly think when we were there, and the program at UMB now, uh, I think they are still looked at as an asset and a resource. And we were invited to the party. Again, we weren't the host, no, and we no. weren't. Right. It wasn't a loan committee. I didn't have a vote, mm -hmm. but I was always there. Yeah. So that they could at least go, wait a minute. Lewis, is this something we're going to have a problem with? Yeah. And that's something that I think banks need to, management needs to understand. Come to the table. You're not a voting, right. but still come to the table. So when we come back, I want to ask you about your uh, most recent career doing training and advisory. And then given that you're stepping down, yes, sir. you're sort of... Not your final thoughts, because you're still going to be causing a lot of trouble throughout the oh, rest, yeah. the rest oh, yeah. of your life. But your final thoughts as you just okay. started to articulate with compliance officers on how to stay engaged sure. and how to stay sure. relevant. We hope you're enjoying this edition of AML Conversations. This podcast and many other anti-money laundering and Bank Secrecy Act related posts, podcasts, and case studies can be found on our new website at amlrightsource.com. Our team of AML BSA professionals regularly produces informative content that we hope you find resourceful. Check the AML Right Source website or follow us on LinkedIn for updates. Okay, we're back. Um, Chuck, you moved from UMB to, uh, I think it was McGladry for a bit? Yeah, I went to McGladry for a couple, two or three so, years. So now. you went into a, um, an advisory practice, which a lot of compliance officers, mm -hmm. when they leave banks, tend to do. They may go to the big four, they may go to places like that. What was the most surprising thing that you discovered, other than, I'm going to prejudge your answer a little bit, obviously you're told you got to bring in business. They even tell, even if they say to you, no, you don't have to bring in business, we just want your expertise. We know that's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that part of it, what was the, what was the most uh, surprising thing you discovered working with clients then? Um, nobody likes to be told they have ugly children. And I think that was something that I would go into some banks and we would talk about different things and they would tell me what they were doing or what they weren't doing. And to become an Academy Award nominee without going, oh dear God. Uh, and to sit down and say, you know, sometimes the, the, the piece of information I'm bringing you may not fit your bank. And, and I, I tell you, it's still fun, is to be able to tweak, twist, whatever it is, to sit down and say, okay, with the limited asset we've got, with the limited resources we've got, how can we, how can we look to fix this? And, we all, and the other thing that I had to, and I think I, I've tried very hard in my career, that doesn't mean that I have a, head, a handshake and a kiss with all examiners when they left UMB, but I can tell you in 30 years, I think the relationship between UMB and the OCC was pretty darn good. Um, my last few years there, we had a lady with the OCC that was was spectacular. When you were wrong, you were dead wrong. But she would sit down and say, but let me show you what we could do to fix this. And and I, some of my best mistakes, or best learnings have been from mistakes. Right. Uh, so a lot of times, as I first started this, I would go in and there was a little bit of an adversary, uh, adversary with uh, the banks and examining agencies. Um, well, I don't want to spend any money on this stupid compliance. It's just, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're just going to write me up anyway. And, right. and I think that became a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. So it was it was 
to be able to step back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, the, the, the answer I brought you may not be the right one. Give me a minute. And, and to get the people to talk about it, and, and it just, um, and, and I'll tell you one other thing, John, this sounds very hokey, but to have a bank that had serious compliance issues mm-hmm. and to be able to help them with policies, procedures, training, or whatever, and then to have them have an exam and see their rating go up, that's a pretty cool feature. Sure. Uh, it, it's, you know, seeing a kid suddenly understand algebra, your own child type thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something I enjoyed. Uh, just to uh, to see a bank call and say, oh, my God, we got a two. And they'd had a three for two or three exams. And, and let them refocus a little bit on it. Look, I'm not going to tell you this is more important than making money. I'm not going to tell you that at all. But what I am going to show you is how to keep from losing some money. Mm-hmm. By investing in, and, and that's that was a good part. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. That's what I did with UMB when I started. Sure, and and you know you have like like some other compliance offices have really taken to uh, to, to training as a, as an art form, and I don't I don't oh, mean that to blow smoke. I mean I think it's clear. What we do is not easy to teach. <laughs> no, it's not. So if no, you can sort of give practical with maybe a little levity involved, I think people do, they probably retain more. I'm sure you notice that right away. Well, and, it, and I'll tell you something, John, that, that I learned real quickly. And I would tell banks this. I said, I'm going to use what happened here in my next presentation. I won't use your name. Mm-hmm. I'll change enough of it. And you, you learn by your mistakes. So when I go up there and I'm talking to a bunch of community banks and I'm presenting something that happened at a bank their size, yep. and you'll see them turn and go, oh, my God, that happened to us. And I'm not naming names. I'm not embarrassing anyone or anything. But mm-hmm. you learn by that. Mm-hmm. And people have come up and said, oh, you, it was like you were in our lobby last week, Lewis. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that I've had a lot of fun with, to so just to sit down and say, look, I'm... And, and the other thing is to tell them, I sit on the other side of the desk. I'm not grabbing stuff out of the sky and throwing it at it. I have no con. I walk the walk. I've sat on the other side of the desk. Sure. So uh, that's helped, I think, a little bit to be able to bring stuff, the real life things to them. So, what have you been doing with the Missouri bankers? It was really an interesting, uh, interesting marriage. They. The MBA and I applaud them, and I say that not because my boss may listen to this, but they realized how how the compliance function was becoming a big component of both dollars being spent, et cetera. So they set up a compliance services division, mm-hmm. um, and they asked me to kind of come in and be their first person doing it. So we... We went out, and we didn't want to compete against some of our great associate members that are accounting firms sure. or like that. But a $40 million bank is not a big money maker for some, some of these. So what we would do is offer them a free, consult, a free compliance calls. If you're a member of the bank, you could call in and talk to somebody about get a compliance answer. Not legal advice, but a compliance answer. Then um, if somebody would have a burp or a hiccup, say, Lewis, can you come in and talk to my board? I got sure. So I'd go in and we'd do board training. And then all of a sudden it would lead, can you do the annual BSA review? Yeah. And then we the compliance. And then it just became, it just went crazy. It was just all of a sudden we'd love to do that. And we uh, we found it, niche marketing, I guess, could be the great mm-hmm. deal. And uh, we still don't compete with uh, some of the, I mean, the accounting firms do huge process, sure, you know, sure. huge, week-long we don't do that. Right. Uh, and, and I've sat down, and the whole time we were doing this, we have regular ongoing meetings with the agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, tell me what you're looking for. Don't, you know, you don't have to be specific, but am I focusing here? Should we be focusing on this and stuff? And I think as we continue to change and, and, and grow with the banks and the needs, some banks uh, 
well, I've got Susan. She's full-time compliance. She really doesn't need it. We just need training, okay? We'll come in and do the training for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that people, you know, our kids listen more to the teachers than they do to us. So if you've sat there and done BSA training every more, you know, every month or two, we'll have a, you know, have a fat guy come in from out of town and let him do it, and and you'll hear maybe some. Well, I didn't realize we were doing that, even though the BSA officer had said it four or five times. I did the same thing growing up. I'd listen to the teacher, I'd listen to the coach, and tell my parents, "That's what I've been telling you." <laughs> so. Um, NBA found a niche. Yep. Uh, we, we've, it's been a great opportunity for me. I've had a ball. Uh, we've got three new associates that are working with us that are That's wonderful. Great. So uh, they, they do a good job. Obviously, we just finished you. up their, oh, uh, yeah, the, their the BSA conference and their tag teaming a, a compliance conference. And what I noticed, uh, to your point, these are small institutions. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, one of the attendees today came to me and asked me the following, which probably you get all the time they, in terms of the sort of the simplicity of the question, but it tells you a lot about the person. So she said, I filed four SARS a I month ago heard from and realized, no, no, it wasn't that. It was, and I realized I made a mistake no. and, I, and I refiled four old SARS. I just, I just sent, so what I ended up doing, um, and I didn't realize it for a few weeks, then I sent the original SARS with, with a note to FinCEN and she's like, should I, should I be worried? Now, of course, we can be, we, we can be as facetious about regulators as we want to be. There's no way that FinCEN's going to hammer this person or even say anything. This is sort of, as I told her, I said, without knowing anything else of what you, other than what you just told me, they're going to say, this is exactly what we want. Somebody made a mistake and they followed up. But you know, John, I'm going to and pick I bet up. But you get questions like that all the time. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm going to pick up on is I'm going to sit there and say, why'd you make a mistake? Have you ever had narrative, SAR narrative training? No. Uh, Karen used to do it, and I've just picked it up from what yeah. she's doing. Yeah, she just filed the wrong papers. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and I'm, <laughs> a lot of times I'll sit down, and we all make mistakes. I had one the other day. They put down the wrong people in the narrative. They just flat had the wrong customer. Wow. What do we do? What do we do? And, and like you, I've said, guys, fix it and refile it. I said, don't let's don't waste any time worrying about what we're going to have. But it's, it's a mistake. We right. fixed it. We're right. going. Right. But I do try to find out, not that I'm trying to make another dime, mm-hmm. Why did this happen? Sure. Uh, oh, uh, oh well. Uh, and they'll finally admit, well, I've just never really sat down. Great. Let's uh, let's sit down. And, and that was what Anna Rensler did a lot for us. Anna would be available to do. You know, she did a session for us every every spring mm-hmm. on BSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we have this conference. Uh, so that yes, you yeah. get questions like that, and, right. and, it's, it, and it tickles me. Excuse me to say well, one more thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think would happen to us if this, 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 and this? And I'm going, uh, and a lot of times I'll say, well, they'll take your charter away. And they'll go, what? <laughs> but what's we'll the talk? I said, guys, if it's wrong, is wrong. It doesn't matter. But let's, the agencies aren't looking for you. Now, if it's a continuation of something that they have told you to fix, and it's still, now we need to sit down and talk. Now you may get a call from an agency going, we told you to fix that. Uh, I had that with a bank one time on CTRs. They had been criticized for the number of errors on their CTRs. Nothing major, no memorandums or anything, just kind of a quit doing it. Well, the examiners went back in almost 18 months later, and the same thing occurred. I went back in 10 months later, and it was still occurring. And I said, guys, it, it is a change in the whole meaning, but they're wrong. They weren't rounding. They weren't doing that. So, uh, yes, the simplicity sometimes, but... Is it leading to another problem? Sure, but I think what I took from that is she was very diligent. She oh, wanted oh, she, oh. she wanted the chance to ask this mm-hmm. question 
and wasn't really sure what the reaction would be because my guess is she probably hasn't made many mistakes. And well, then, and she you know. probably didn't want to go to management. I think I screwed up a slur. Oh my yeah. God! Don't want to go. I mean, yeah. they their lack of understanding about that. That is, no, I I hear that all the time. Um, you also say you do board training, so we talked a little bit about that at the conference as well. Just board engagement versus what it used to be, which <laughs> never in, in my in my experience it was pretty hit or miss, right? So how, how have you seen the change in board involvement with what, with what you're training them to? I'll give you a great example. Um, the beneficial ownership, John, was a was the board had to be trained on that. Not so much what the policy and procedures are going to be, but how it might impact people like board members. That they're going to get a call. Somebody in a small community is going to know they're on a board and suddenly say, your bank asked a bunch of questions. It's rude. So uh, <laughs> I have seen, and this is going to be a, maybe not the most politically correct comment, but as younger people are getting on the board, uh, whereas, and that doesn't mean anything against seniors or aged or anything, it's just as we're starting to get younger people that have more of the technology background. I, I, I get so, I don't know the word tickle, whatever, when I walk into a, a bank that's been there 100, 110 years, and all the directors have got iPads, and, and there's, I'm thinking, oh my lord, this is great. Uh, I think you're seeing uh, directors pretty much understand their fiduciary responsibility, and we heard it on a director panel. You know, we want directors involved. The old days of, well, we'll be here from 2 to 2.45, and here's your popcorn and your check. Thanks for coming sure. in. Um, we've got several banks that are customers of mine, John, that have two board meetings a month. Uh, one of them maybe is, is this part of the package, and then the, the second meeting will be uh, the risk mm-hmm. part of it. And... Uh, and those are banks maybe under 100 million. I mean, those are not just large banks. Those are banks, well, we're seeing a lot of them that go two times. And, and that's obviously the good news for a lot of yeah. reasons that they're engaged. So um, you're closing down your career. Uh, you have a, a session at the compliance conference on Friday. 42 years. Obviously, you've done a tremendous amount of good things for, for members. And I say members, the members of our of our uh, compliance community, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's a community now. It wasn't when you started. You know, mm-hmm. It was just it was sort of random. What uh, words of wisdom are you going to give folks uh, on Friday? Uh, I, I've got a PowerPoint. I'll tell you two slides real quick. Um, one of the slides says, and i got to quote it, said, a winner isn't afraid to fail. A winner learns by the mistakes and keeps trying. Um, I'm not a tech person. My, my little grandson will sit there and take my iPad and go, Grandpa, and he starts showing me all the things right. to do. I'm just, I, wasn't, I wasn't a tech person. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a tech area. Um, I, I, want, I want the bankers that are going to go, if they're thinking about a compliance decide, and I, learn the whole bank. And I tell that at the end. Learn, don't just cubbyhole yourself and stick with this one side because you'll never be able to, uh, like Steve was talking today, you know, we understand you, all this kind of stuff. It, it won't work. You've you got to understand what the bank's doing. Um, I, I also think that if, uh, if, if bank compliance people would somehow change everything into being the N-O people mm-hmm. to the K-N-O-W people, um, there's nothing wrong with saying, John, I don't know. Give me 20 minutes, I'll call you back. Uh, versus giving the wrong answer and then having to call back in 20 minutes and say, oh, God, I told you wrong. Why would I ever call you back? Right. And that was something that I learned real quick. I mean, I 
I don't know it all. I, I, I laughingly say our pastor takes the Bible up to the podium every week, and he's been there 40 years. Uh, I don't have all these regs flowing through my head, and i got a pretty good idea which one might apply, And but I'm not going to say, well, that's 1026.19a. I don't... I don't do that. I don't have. I've got grandkids' names and ex-wives and current wives and stuff. But uh, I have. To, I have to just say when somebody calls me. In fact, a few minutes before you and I started, I had a bank came up to me as we were walking out and said, "I need to ask you a couple questions." And I said, "I don't know. I know. I have a good idea. Give me. Right. Give me a day, and I'll call you right. back. Let right. me look at it tonight." Right. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. That I think is something. Don't be afraid to say you don't know, but I'll find out. And if and, and something I learned from you, sir, throw it back at you. You used to say, "I'll call you back in an hour," and you always did that. Mm-hmm. And that's something I tell banks. But it, but don't say an hour and then realize it's going to be three. Right. I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. I'll give you a call tomorrow. Yeah. Let me know. That's something I'm trying to instill. So I appreciate you sitting, oh, sure, sure. sitting, sitting awesome. down with me. I want to get you out of here on this last question. Forty-two years. Career-wise, not family-wise, I'm sure there's a lot of really exciting stuff with your family, but career-wise, what is the thing you're most proud of? That I I truly, truly try to be a resource. That uh, I I hope I never made anybody feel that their question was stupid. I, I hope they felt like they could come to me. I mean, I'm not the most small person, my size, a little intimidating size-wise. Uh but I'll tell you something real quick, John, and this is not a, a pat, but it, it's how I try to be proud of My dad didn't give me a lot of advice growing up. He said, you know, be honest, be fair, you know, this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he made a comment to me. He said, always know the secretary's name and the janitor's name. Always know their names. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Every time I go in a bank, I always try to stop and, and introduce myself to the administrative person, and all the tellers, everybody like that. And I, I was at a bank recently. It was my 15th visit, 15th annual visit to the bank. And we always do training at night, one night during the week I'm there. And uh, it's about a two-hour. They bring in pizza, and we go BSA. We do everything. And it's it's a great two hours, a lot of new questions, a lot of stuff, and fun. And this woman came up to me, and she said, I just want to tell you something. She started bawling. I thought, oh, dear Lord, what are we, <laughs> was it me? What's wrong? She said, I started three weeks before you began, the first time you came in this bank. I said, Really? She goes, and all of a sudden I find out on Thursday night at 6 o'clock we're going to have a meeting with this guy from Kansas City. And she said, I just sat there mesmerized. She said, I I realized that part of banking I didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And she says, now 15 years later, it's exciting when I know you're coming in. And I thought, you're excited about (laughs) compliance training? That was a positive. That that made me feel good, that uh, somebody still looked forward to compliance training. Uh, And and I, I really have tried hard to get the banks to... To understand, we can make this successful. And uh, well, Chuck, I can say from my experience, you you have far exceeded yeah, uh, your mission. You. Uh, really, it's been great working with you. And you, too, and you, you too. always were somebody I could get again a straight answer from. Well. I did definitely appreciated that. Uh, but Chuck Lewis, as they as they say, thanks for your service Thank to you. the compliance community. Thank really you, appreciate it. Appreciate it very much, John. Thank you. Well, that was enjoyable for me. Um, Chuck Lewis and I go back many, many years. What we didn't uh, talk about during the conversation is Chuck was awarded in 2004 the Distinguished Services Award uh, at the ABA's Regulatory Compliance Conference for his career work. Um, It's hard to explain the impact that Chuck has had on uh, compliance officers throughout, throughout the country, frankly. I've seen him in action, and I know... Uh, how hard he works, and I also know he always had time uh, to help a compliance officer 
who had a tough question, a difficult question, or maybe a question that really wasn't that hard, but something that they didn't have access to. And so Chuck always had time. He was always generous with his time, generous, generous with his expertise. And as you hopefully saw from that, he's also a pretty funny guy. Uh, we're going to miss him. I think the uh, impact he's had on the compliance community can't be overstated. I really enjoy doing these events, and I particularly enjoy sitting down doing these interviews with these individuals because they, they, they mean and they meant so much to our community. This is John Byrne for AML Conversations. Um, I am also going to be in Vegas with our company AML Right Source in a couple of weeks for the ACAMS conference. So I hope to see you folks there. And uh, we'll see you again next time on AML Conversations.